Hi everyone! Before we start the show, I wanted to ask that if you like what we're doing here, you might consider donating to keep it moving onward and upward. We have a Patreon at patreon.com backslash Hegelbon and a PayPal at paypal.me backslash Hegelbon. $5 of Patreon will get you bonus episodes, but even a dollar helps more than you can imagine because no cartridge is funded by listeners like you. Thank you. Audio. My name is Trevor Strunk, Hagelbon on Twitter, and today we're actually going to be doing the first of a long-awaited series. I've been a little uh, remiss on getting this to you, but this is our series on our my well my list of games of the year, uh, the Goatee list. Uh, we are calling it the Heggies. Uh, if I had a theme song for it, it would go in here, um, but I don't. You're just going to have to deal with that, unfortunately. Uh, but the nice thing about all this is it's going to be really short, uh, kind of sweet episodes on. Um, games that I really uh, thought were among the best I played this year. Now, um, I'm not going to do the thing where it's like, I played System Shock 2 this year, so that gets on my list. Like, I, I get why people do that, and I understand that it's sort of like a personal experience kind of thing. But it uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I really want to focus on what contemporary games are doing right now. Um, the other caveat, of, of course, here is that I have not played every single game. Um, I really have only been doing this uh, as like a quote-unquote job <laughs> so maybe for half a year and um, I didn't even have a PS4 until uh, a couple weeks ago so uh, I haven't played Horizon haven't played Persona 5 haven't played Final Fantasy 15 haven't played Yakuza 0 uh, Destiny 2 there's a lot of games serious serious games that I have not gotten to or gotten to play um, and ultimately, that's okay. I think the the urge to play every game is the same thing as the urge to read every book or see every movie. It's just it's a it's an understandable urge, but it's completely impossible, or at least implausible, right? Um, that said, I have played a lot of video games this year, more than perhaps I have since I was a kid. And there are many games that are on my list of really important games this year that I think need to be talked about. Now, that doesn't mean that this is like an exhaustive or um, uh, let's say authoritative list. It just means that there's like a, a, this is my list. This is the no cartridge list of games of the year. So if you have a Steam bonus, or I'm sorry, bonus, Steam gift card or uh, GameStop money burning a hole in your pocket or whatever, uh, maybe consider buying these games um, or giving them a shot. So if there are two games that uh, structure or inform uh, no cartridges stance on 2017, um, well, both are going to be in the game of the list year, so um, or game of the year list. So I'm not going to uh, give the other one away, but one of them uh, is certainly uh, Night in the Woods. So Infinite Falls, uh, um, wonderful game. 
about, uh, well, cats and birds and the bears and stuff, but primarily about coming home, about um, conspiracy, about doubt, about um, growing up, about alienation, um, and about capitalism. I mean, this is a, this is a story about money and what it means to live in a world where things are getting worse for the people around you um, day by day by day by day. Um, and meanwhile, you feel less and less attached to them. Um, there's a lot to say about Night in the Woods. I think uh, one of the things that people got a little frustrated about uh, was that it was not your typical sort of like difficult game. Um, I talked with Scott about this. Scott Benson, one of the developers, uh, well, one of the writers, I'm sorry, he would he would be angry at me if I said that, but um, one of the writers uh, along with uh, his partner, Bethany Hackenberg and Alec Kaloka, this uh, really, really small... Uh, studio kind of created this game and produced something that was not, as I said, difficult. Um, although Scott said on the podcast that he's a big fan of Dark Souls, he's a big fan of difficulty in that way. Um, there is a kind of like gamer mentality that goes into this game or sort of traditional video game mentality that goes into this game, but it is a primarily storytelling game. It's point and click. Um, there's not a lot of puzzle elements. It is kind of a, what you might call a walking simulator, but it's a platformer too. You can jump around on wires. You can find secret areas. Um, it's a it's a, a completionist dream in that you can kind of run around and find every single person's story, and they all pay off in the end, right? Um, there's a conspiracy. There's a supernaturalism, uh, but at the same point, it's a supernaturalism that keys into contemporary social movements, as I wrote about on the blog um, in the Monster at the End of Capitalism. I, it it really is. I mean, there's there's critiques to be made if you want a game that is, I don't know, like if you, if you just wanted, like if you played Doom, right, 2016, which was one of my other, uh, you know, favorite games that I've played in the past, although it would have been last year's uh, goatee. Um, the, if you said you played that and you said, I just want more of this, I don't think you'd like Night in the Woods necessarily, <laughs> but I think the mini games are really fun. Um, I think they are uh, self-aware. Uh, they understand that they are not like actual games in 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 a way that games like I'll be talking a little bit about to give it away I'll be talking a little bit about near automata um, on one of these uh, episodes and I feel like one of the critiques we one can make about near is that the hacking mini game kind of thinks that it's a little more fleshed out than it is um, all of the mini games in Night of the Woods the knife game uh, that you play with um, Greg the um, the bass when May plays her bass guitar and you have to sort of do the um, uh, uh, guitar hero like all of these games understand, um, they understand their limits, let me say. Like, they kind of get, okay, the bass guitar thing, as Scott said on the podcast, is about being bad at bass guitar. May is bad at bass guitar, and you know, you are too. So it assumes the player has, at least have some, has some familiarity with Guitar Hero and is thrust into a difficult role, and so it adds to the narrative. The knife game is the same way, the, the shoplifting game is the same way, right? These are all, like, little frivolous things that you get to participate in, but in participating in, it builds the narrative. Um, if I was to name a game of the year, I, it's very hard. Um, and not least of all, because uh, I have personal connections with people who made these games now. Uh, so, you know, that would be very difficult to pick a favorite among my uh, my friends and colleagues who have been so, so wonderful to me this year. Um, but Night in the Woods would certainly, uh, I mean, it certainly has a heavy uh, handicap in, in in heading towards first place. I mean, it's like, it, it was a game to me that defined a particular limit 
and I mean limit in a good way, it pushes that limit of narrative in a way that I hadn't really seen since something like Planescape, right? Which like the, the storytelling is ambitious, it's critical, it gives the reader a lot of credit, um, and it's not afraid to tell its story, right? Um, a lot, a lot of things been spelled about Night in the Woods. This is not news to a lot of people, but if you haven't played it, and I would say if you don't usually like video games, a lot of my audience has said to me like they don't really play a lot of video games. Try Night in the Woods, and especially now that the Weird Autumn patch is out, um, uh, or not patch, but uh, update, uh, it's DLC that everyone who owned the game already got for free, which I think is just the classiest possible move. Um, it is, it, it's improved from what I hear on an already, you know, fairly perfect game in a lot of ways. Uh, perfect in the sense meaning that it is perfect within the sphere of what it wants to do. It does it successfully in my mind. Um, there's more added, there's more characters, there's base practice, uh, which again, understands its narrative, right? Meg gets home, she's terrible at base, so she wants to practice. It's like, it's great, right? Like that's just a perfect little narrative uh, bit. So I won't go on and gush more about Night in the Woods, but I think it is a worthwhile game to get and a contender, perhaps winner of uh, Game of the Year, probably tied with, um, an, well, two or three that are important to me, um, which we'll get to. Uh, but I think if you like story, um, I think if you like uh, critical accounts of capitalism, I think if you like thinking about socialism, if you've been running around on Twitter seeing some Rose emojis or some Marxist-Leninists or people that you, you know, you think like these people have interesting ideas, but I don't know how to get into the conversation. Night in the Woods is a really good start to that conversation. It is honest. It doesn't take, it doesn't treat you like a child. It is not always happy. Um, and there are not all happy endings. It's, um, it's very smart. And it is a coming of age story that somehow avoids, from a literary standpoint, somehow avoids the schmaltzy and predictable elements of the coming of age uh, story. Um, it weaves, you know, different genders and sexualities through it uh, seamlessly without making you feel like you're being pandered to. Um, it talks about decline. If you're a Pennsylvania person, it is a perfect distillation of the center of our state. Um, it's just a game you have to play. I think it is a unique narrative and beyond just being a unique narrative, um, it is a game that is a unique playing experience as well. And unique in this case being good, not being me trying to find something nice to say. Um, Infinite Fall, Alec, Bethany, and Scott have done something really, really special here. Um, and I think, you know, it, it sounds a little extreme, but of course it's one of my games of the year. I think what what a lot of people are going to be waiting for is what comes out next. So how, how do they, how do they grow from here? Cause I, I cannot imagine that the next bit will be any less uh, exciting and interesting and challenging. So wonderful work um, on night in the woods uh, for whatever it means coming from me uh, and definitely pick it up by this game. It's, it's remarkable. Um, so that's my first game of the year. And now I'm, I'm giving i I'm giving my first Heggy, the first Heggy for most dialectical game. Drum roll, please. This year, the contestants for most dialectical game are Near Automata, Karl Marx, Capital, Volume One, and Sonic Forces. And the winner is Near Automata, a game where I'll keep this short and sweet. A game where you play as both characters in a tandem, where the entire game is premised around 
black and white and turning black from white and finding the complications in that system uh, and, you know, introducing a, a series of grays. Um, a game that has two robot villains or enemies or also allies, again, dialectical, named Marx and Engels. A game that is premised on becoming the other and finding the contradiction in that and overcoming that contradiction. Um, a game about robots that are becoming humans that are becoming robots. Um, Near Automata has a lot to offer, and I'll be talking about it on a future episode, as I said before, but today, it wins our Heggy for most dialectical game. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on the Patreon. These episodes will, will alternate between uh, public and Patreon, uh, so if you see something you like on the Patreon, just $5 a month, check it out. Um, it, you know, we, we put out a bunch of podcasts a month. I promise it's worth your while. Um, and, uh, yeah, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time. <laughs>